Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. basement first off good to see you again. it's been a couple of weeks yeah dude I, I i ghosted you for like three weeks in a row for guests i mean i think people were probably wondering if, if chris lanuti was ever coming back to, to the basement yeah like craig fired me that's what it felt like you, you every week i was like we're getting together no i talked to this guy for like a half hour and uh you know we just we just don't have any more room left i i, I was starting to feel hurt and it was right around the holidays too and it made me sad you know, it really kind of, actually, to be honest with you, it was just really nice to just take a break. It was a Chris vacation, man, is what I gave you. <laughs> yeah, I gave you a is. Christmas Chris vacation. It was a Chris vacation is what it was. All right. Well, uh, this episode of Bucks in the Basement and every episode brought to you by ShopYins.com. Yins is giving 20% off to new customers, three dynasty, one brand, Yins, the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports. Check them out at ShopYins.com. Free shipping on orders. $75 or more. Craig's always wearing that big golden Y on his hat and his shirt. And I'm sure he's got Yin's boxers by now. I haven't gotten nothing <laughs> from him. They've given me nothing. Like Craig's completely outfitted. I have zip from Yin's. I think every time they give him something, he just keeps it for himself. Uh, there's a link inside the show notes. If you can't use that link, go to bucksinthebasement.com. If you forget somehow the simple address of shopyins.com. All right. Uh, before we jump into the show, we got stuff to talk about. Um, the Monday night football game, we never talk football, but that's a local kid, DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was scary stuff. And, and, and to be honest with you, it had me thinking a little bit about what it would be like if something like that happened in baseball. And don't think that it won't. There's a reason that kids wear chest protectors now at a lot of levels in Little League because a kid died having a ball hit him in just the perfect spot at just the perfect time during you know while his heart is beating and this seems like it could be that when they finally get all the details out if you if you see what some physicians some pros have said since the incident last night that this is just one of those things where the hit comes in the right part of the chest where it happens I want to say there was a hockey player this happened to uh it's Chris Pronger that's right and he played for like another 12 years or something afterwards but he I mean I saw the video of that but I was flipping last night when I did, and I couldn't remember the name, and it looked exactly the same. Like, the contact happens, there's a few steps where he's stumbling, and then he's out. And, and you know, you, you have to think, like, I've, I've been trained in CPR, the pressure of that. Like, I mean, doing CPR on the dummy in the classroom is scary enough, right? Because it's, yeah. it's not what it is on TV. In, in no way, it's the most violent thing. Like, you're basically breaking the person's ribs to get the heart going. You don't do that lightly and you got to, they got to get the equipment off while they're doing that. And everybody's standing there and you're in the middle of the crowd and you know that you only got seconds to get it going. So first off, hats off to those that were on the field who probably had a lot of decisions to make very quickly. Like, do we get his equipment off? Do we get him in the ambulance first? Do we work on him here on the field? Is this what I think it is? Cause if I start doing chest compressions and it's something else, I could make it worse. 
Like just having to think that quickly with that many people standing around and shouting and everybody all concerned and all these people that are his friends, his teammates and everything like that. And you just, and, and the way that the whole crowd is sitting there and the silence of it just had to be just one of the most intense, scariest things. You know, I was a first responder as a 911 dispatcher, not on the scene, but I know what it's like when you're in intense moments like that. And of course, you know, all prayers and, and concerns, and I'm glad to hear that the young man's doing better. But I also think about the folks that had to make the, those decisions right there, and good and good for them because they, they did a hell of a job because it could have been an absolute tragedy. And that's one of Pittsburgh's own right out there. Yeah, man, it was just, I was watching it with my, my brother-in-law who was in town, had just kind of sat down and didn't even recognize what was happening. And then they started saying, you know, started CPR on the kid and stuff. And man, just couldn't even talk. It was just like heart went out to the family, went out. Then you're hearing his, the ambulance waited for his mom and stuff. And I don't even know, Stefan Diggs, I think he took an Uber to the hospital. I, it's just thoughts and prayers. I, I, I know it's, I think it's like, what is it? We're recording now. It's like one sixteen on Monday, stuff coming out. So we don't even know like, you know, exactly what's going on. Seems like, you know, they're saying vital signs, all this kind of stuff. But man, it's just... To me, it's like thoughts and prayers. And like you said, Chris, the, the people that were on there, thoughts and prayers to them, kudos to them and to the to the Bills and to the to the Bengals players that had to see like their brother, you know, being you know, brought back to life, you know, on the field. Dude, I can't even freaking imagine. It's like the scariest thing. Trust me, there's a chance you see this one day on a baseball field. You see those comebackers that come back to the mound right on the pitcher, right? I mean, yeah. again, like I said, a little leaguer. This is why they they put kids in chest protectors now. I remember when I my kids started little league, and they were like, "Yeah, they got to have like this heart guard." I was like, "What? Like what? What do we need? I never played with a heart guard before. This is why because of like yeah. that, that quick punch that comes to the chest. And so don't think that this is something that you may never see again. You know, because it's something that you may you may see again later on in sport. And, and, you know, Major League Baseball would have an easier time with this. You just postpone a game until the teams are ready to play again, right? The NFL's got an absolute mess on their hands, and uh, none of that stuff really matters. Trust me, fantasy football doesn't matter. I'm in a fantasy football championship, and so, so are you in a different league. Both of us had players going in that game, and our games are in doubt. We were talking before we turned on the microphone, like, whatever happens, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. how, do you, how can you complain? Like, you're just kind of like, well, you know, I played all season and I was really into it and I really cared about my team, but I mean, I'm just playing fantasy football, so it doesn't really matter. Although I'm the commish, so I just keep getting like text messages like, what are you going to do? And I'm, I'm in the thing, so I can't, I'm not, I, I can't make a decision. I'm like, well, whatever, whatever the NFL and my, our fantasy league decides on it, I'm just going to abide by it at this point. Like, I'm just going to yeah. shrug and move on, you know, and I'm trailing right now, so I'm probably losing and I'm fine with it. Like, if I was ever going to lose a fantasy football championship, this is, like, the one time I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, God, yeah. like if, if somebody would made a terrible play at the end of it, I'd have been furious. This, uh, there's bigger this, things. Man. There's bigger yeah. things, man. There's bigger things. And, you know, uh, and, and, and you know, we also have a big thing here on the uh, on, on the Pirates. Let's, let's dive into it. Dick Mountain's here. I think yeah. that's incredible. He'll be, he'll be coming around the mountain when he comes. Holy cow. Like, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, I as soon as I saw that the that the Bucks had had signed him, and I was I I was like, okay, well, first of all, he's got to be fifty three years old by now, right? And he's only going to be forty three <laughs> this season. But I was like, wow, is he old? Uh, but secondly, I was like, well, what did he do last year? Like, is it like what value does he bring to a team? Except what is he going to be like a player coach? And, but when you look at him, 
Real quickly, he's still slightly above a replacement level starting pitcher. He pitched 124 innings. He had his whip at 1.30, which I've always said, like, that's that's a starter in Major League Baseball. You know, his ERA is a little high in the fours. He, he won eight. He lost seven. Yeah, he's, he's pitching for the Red Sox in the season that was down for the team. And he just goes along and does his thing. And you, you look at him the year before between two different teams. He pitches 158 innings. And, and, and he's, he's been a guy who, as long as he doesn't run into an injury, should be able to just go out there and take the ball every five days. And nobody needs to worry about him, right? Like nobody on the Pirates coaching staff needs to worry about Rich Hill. They, they could just sit there and say, head on out there, Rich, and do your job, and we're going to focus on developing the rest of the staff for the long-term plans of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you just made our job easier because instead of having to juggle all of these young kids that we're trying to figure out what they are and what they're going to be, now we've just got you there, right? I mean, it's, that's stability, and I'll take it. Yeah, because right before the, the offseason – got underway or maybe right as it got underway i had written something and i had put down you know mitch keller is a one rowanzi is the two i put free agent or trade at the three brubaker at the four free agent or trade at the five and i got a little bit of blowback there because you know johan oviedo who we got in the cantana deal um from the cardinals and we had built him back up to a starter actually performed fairly well for us. He only had like seven starts towards the end of the season because we put him in AAA and built him back up. Ended up having like run like a 1.2 whip uh, and, and was pitching fairly well. And people were like, well, wouldn't he be the five? And and I said, well, I'm also going on what I think the Pirates are going to do as well. And I, I honestly thought from the beginning that Oviedo was going to be down in AAA with Luis Ortiz, who we got to see, you know, just a glimpse of this past season and that they weren't going to give up on Brubaker just yet, even though Brubaker has pretty much been like night and day pitchers for the last, you know, two years, first half of the season, pretty good. Second half of the season, almost like God awful. But the other part is that they're juggling options and they're juggling. I hate, hate service time. And it's even service time with like a JT Brubaker. Cause before we got on here, Chris, I, I looked at, um, you know, one of the rules that's out there as far as service time and assigning players. Like JT Brubaker, people will look and be like, oh, JT Brubaker has two minor league options. Well, JT Brubaker also just got to three years of service time. And anytime a player has three over three years of service time, then they can reject that assignment. If they have more than five years, um, they can reject it and still get their major league pay at three years between three and five years, you don't get to do that, but he could still kind of reject that assignment. Oviedo still has like the option. So I think that that's what they're going to do. And it doesn't mean you're not going to see Oviedo at all this season. It's just that you may have to wait until there's either an injury or a trade. I mean, if, if Rich Hill pitches well and you trade him or no, no, you know what he, you know, what's going to happen with Oviedo First of all, injury is going to happen at some point. He's going to get an opportunity, right? But the other thing is the fact, is the fact that I don't believe in Vince Velasquez at all. Like, I, I yeah. just don't. I'm sorry. Vince Velasquez is a pitcher that has never, never excited me 
and never done anything that made me think that he was going to be a hell of a pitcher. I thought it was funny that the, the Pirates were like doing the whole announcement thing and everything for this guy. This guy signed a minor league contract last year because nobody would give him anything else and then got the majority of his stats coming out of the bullpen or being used yeah. as an opener. All right. He, he was not used as a regular starter very often when he was with the White Sox last year. So this is a guy who, yeah, sure, I see his whip has dropped down to the one-twos for the first time in a long time because normally he's just god-awful with that. And you see his ERA dip a little bit, and you see some effectiveness. But that's because they were able to pick and choose which inning he was going to face guys. He did an awful lot of time where he'd come in against guys at the bottom of the order. He, if you If you go through his, like, who he was facing and what innings he was coming in and stuff like that, he should have pitched that well. Otherwise, he wouldn't even be in Major League Baseball anymore. So do I think that he's a viable starter for the entire season? I don't think so. This is a throw-something-at-the-wall kind, kind of pickup. Rich Hill is a better pickup than Vince Velasquez. Rich Hill is higher up in the rotation than Vince Velasquez. And Vince Velasquez, if everything goes according to plan for the Pirates, especially with younger pitchers, doesn't survive past the first month or so if he even gets out of spring training. That, that's my take on it. So I wouldn't be worried that you don't have enough room in there. If somebody's good enough, they're taking his spot. I, you know, I, I'm surprised the Pirates give him a major league contract. I guess they have to, but he's also a guy that you could see them very easily rotate into the bullpen as well. They don't need to release him. If he gets off to a rough start or they don't like what he's doing, he'll be in there doing long relief and middle relief when it's time to bring somebody else into the rotation. So there's plenty of room for other pitchers, even in spring training breaking camp. There's plenty of room. That contract is not anything that's very restrictive or says, well, if we don't use him as a starter, uh, we've totally screwed the pooch here. Not with the way that the Pirates uh, payroll is set up and, and the amount of money they really should be spending. Yeah, and they've usually brought in, you know, two pitchers, sometimes on like a minor league deal, but they usually, you know, I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, Vince Velasquez, Chris. There are utility infielders that will play 50 games this year that are making more money per year than Vince Velasquez. And it's a, it's a one-year, let's see what you can do for us. Can you at least at minimum do for us what you did for the White Sox to be a swingman? And, you know, we'll give you the opportunity with a major league contract to actually be able to make a rotation. So it entices him to come to the Pirates rather than go to a team that, I mean, remember last year he signs a minor league deal with a team that was expected to be a contender. That was the favorite to win the AL Central, and in a lot of books, had pe people had them in the ALCS and challenging for a shot at the World Series. They had a lot of hype on them, and he signed a minor league deal to be a part of that. The Pirates are not a team that has that kind of hype, so how do you get a guy to come and sign with the Pirates? You give him a, you give him a major league contract, but you don't commit too much money and you only commit one year to him and worst case if he moves to the bullpen he's just like a lot of other relievers that make that kind of money for a one-year deal so uh, yeah he's the most movable piece sitting inside of that rotation right now yeah and and everybody's gonna get their chance and i think that chris we we didn't get the ch chance to talk after the, the hype video type thing i don't know if it's because <laughs> he hadn't done a hype video yet and it's like man the the, the department over here, they're, they're not, you know, doing too much. It was so practice for a... social media. Like, they're like, can we do something? Hey, can, we, can, we, can we get something out there? You know, that's what it was. I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, and it's just very weird. And and like I said, I have him right now as the five, but a very tentative five. And when he was signed, I was like, oh, man, you know, we're picking up Harley and Garcia and we're picking up Vince Velasquez. And if they're both in the bullpen man, that would be great. And then they're like, we're going to give Vince a chance to start. And I'm like, 
dang, we, we have to sign. In my eyes, we had to sign another starter. And not because there wasn't guys I wanted to see get their shot, but I just didn't think that the Pirates were going to start with Luis Ortiz and Johan Oviedo. I mean, you still have Zach Thompson sitting around. Zach Thompson, I know that he pitched awful towards the end of last year and he was coming out of the bullpen. But before he got injured at the beginning of the season, I think I brought this up in one of our last three episodes um, with one of our guests is that, you know, for the first you know couple months of the season, you know, Zach Thompson was was one of the best pitchers in, in our staff. I mean, it's not wasn't saying a ton, but I still think they're going to give him some run, too. He also has options. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I just hope, Chris, that if Vince Velasquez is absolutely god-awful, you know, towards the beginning of the season, that they pull the string, or pull the trigger, pull whatever it is quicker, yeah. and just don't let him die out there, and just say, you know what, dude, we're going to move you to the bullpen for a little bit, and if he doesn't do well there, it's like, man, we're he'll be we're fine there. go. He'll be fine there. He was serviceable in there. He could come in there and he could do some long relief. He he can he can grab some garbage innings. And and to be honest with you, I think he was using a couple of high profile or like a high leverage situations. You know, because you know, remember who the manager was last year that he was underneath? Sleepy Tony LaRussa, who didn't know what the hell was going on. So Vince got all kinds of different opportunities. He was used one day in one way, he was used one day in the other way, and the manager probably didn't even know his name, just called him by his number. Okay. So uh, look, he he can be moved around. I, here's the thing. I would have I like the I like the Rich Hill signing or as I will be referring to him on this show constantly Dick Mountain one of the greatest nicknames uh in in all of Major League Baseball. Uh but I I I don't like the Velasquez deal because it goes back to something we talked about at the beginning of the offseason. You now have signed two guys to one-year deals and I really wanted them to go grab somebody that they could make a part of their rotation long term. Because this this smacks of all of our prospects are going to work out. This smacks of everything in our system is good. So we're going to have five starters, legitimate starters, that can win a division, go into the postseason, and then when they go up against those high-leverage superstars that teams that win championships have, they're going to be that. And that's a real stretch. I mean, it could happen but you're putting all your eggs in one basket there. I would have liked to have seen, you know, Rich Hill sign and then maybe, I mean, worst case, still out there, Michael Waka at, at 30 years old, who's a, an effective pitcher that could at least be more of a an anchor in your rotation along with Hill than Velasquez is. You, you see what I'm saying? Or I would have liked to yeah, have seen absolutely. them actually spend some money and go out and get somebody, you know, that was a little bit higher up on the old list there. You know, we 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 threw some names out there. Like I I I like Sean Manea. I I would have liked to have seen them go out. Like you you should be able to go get one pitcher. I don't think that he was completely out of their their range. What did he end up signing for that guy? He spent. Uh, well, no, I mean that's Pirates. Gosh, how how could they possibly spend seven and a half million and twenty three and twelve and a half and twenty four? Bob Nutting would have would would just pass out. <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do with himself. He'd be firing people left and right. Like, I don't have that kind of money. I only have about three, four billion in the bank. How am I going to pay for that contract? That's what I wanted to see, and I didn't get to see that. And so now what it seems is what the plan is, 
You you bring in a swing guy who hopefully gets pushed out of the way. You have the veteran that's been on almost every major league baseball team that there is, and you have some guys that you're developing, but you're you're basically pushing to another year before you start deciding when are we going to spend money on our actual rotation. Yeah, and that's the weird part for me right there, Chris, is that I mean they're just like you said, banking on you know more prospects working out than not, and that's that's not how things go. Or I mean, they've they've hit on Tyler Anderson for one year. They hit on Jose Quintana for one year. You know, if they quote-unquote get the same out of Rich Hill that he's been producing for the past God forever, then they'll, they'll count that as hitting on him. And if they're going to plan on just doing that every year, but that's also just a, that's a huge, that's a risk there too, that you're going to be able to, you know, number one, that Rich Hill, the one thing he's dealt with in his career has been blisters that's held him out for any period of time. And that, you know, that you're going to hope that, you know, you get that bounce back from the other players. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of risks. And I don't know, Chris, it, it just doesn't, it I doesn't like the make Rich Hill. too much sense to me. I do. I like the Rich Hill signing if it would have come along with something that was long and, and It had to be something else. Like, I love the, the Rich Hill signing. If, if it was him and then it was somebody else, that's what I thought they were going to do. When Ben Sherrington came out at the beginning of the year and he said, you know, we, we want, we're not ruling out getting like a couple starting pitchers. We're also not ruling out signing somebody for two years. You know, right. Maybe they missed on somebody. Maybe they only had like a short list or they had a certain amount that they were willing to spend and they got beat out or they didn't they didn't see the market developing the way that the market developed. Because Hill is the one that makes sense for what you and I thought they needed to do. That second pitcher being added in, though, should have been more of a long term guy that that gives you like, you know, a little bit more of a presence who's been on a couple of teams, who's done something, who's going to come in and really be like like top of rotation and if your guys actually develop the way they're supposed to finishes his contract off middle of rotation right and that's like what your dream is with that pitcher and Vince Velasquez isn't that I'm looking at I'm looking at Dick Mountain here and all the places that he's been he starts with the Cubs in 2005 my dear god I had a kid born in 2005 who's 17 years old right now my my oldest was born the same year that he starts his Major League Baseball career, she's looking at colleges right now. Okay, she's taking her ACT coming up. Uh, so we got we got That's the insanity. Cubs first. Then he goes to Baltimore, on to Boston, over to Cleveland. He spends uh, he splits up seasons between the Anaheim Angels and the New York Yankees. Hits Boston again in 2015. Then splits up seasons with Oakland and the Dodgers. Remains with the Dodgers for a few more years. In his 40s, he kicks things off in Minnesota there, eh? Because why not? He goes and spends <laughs> some time with the Rays, the Mets last year, and then the Mets two years ago, and Boston last year. Three trips to Boston. They love him. Every once in a while, he turns up. He has worn the following numbers because he doesn't have one. He's been moved around so many times. I see him wearing 53 with several teams, 51 with other teams, 57 with the Yankees. Uh, with the Red Sox, they never gave him his old number back. He was 53 with the Red Sox, 62 with the Red Sox, and 44 with the Red Sox. He just takes whatever's on the rack. Like, he walks in there like, what number do you want? I don't care. 18, he's he's worn before. 21, he's worn before. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, I think, no, I didn't even say it. 14 he's wore before. He has worn any number you want him to and played for any team you want to. 
And he's going to come out, and it, uh, he's going to be 43 years old, and he's probably going to be one of the better pitchers on your staff as long as he stays healthy. But he's he's a placeholder who will finish out his career in beautiful Pittsburgh. And that's a lie, too. He's not finishing his career. He's pitching no. forever. Okay? <laughs> that's a guy I want on this show. I want him on this show. The stories he could tell. I if, if Right now, he has jumped on the list of all Pirates players I'd like to sit down with and talk to. Rich Hill is number one on the list. You're like, I don't even want to hear about Brian Reynolds. I don't even want to hear about your contract, dude. I want no. to hear from Dick Mountain. That's who I want to hear from because it's, he'd be fascinating all the different things that he's seen in Major League Baseball. He'd be a baseball interviewer's dream is what he would be. And I never want to even talk about the Brian Reynolds contract thing again. I laugh my butt off at Yankee fans when they get themselves all whipped up about how they're going to get Brian Reynolds. And then immediately when it turns out that, that the rumor is that we want some of their better prospects, well, we're not giving that up. We're not giving it. The heck? We're the Yankees. We don't pay for anything. You just give it to us. The, the Pirates, again, don't need to trade him. Ben Charrington is at least doing what I said he should do. Hold people up for the world or make him go out and play because he still needs to keep playing if he's angry with the team, if he wants to make money down the line. Okay? And it doesn't hurt you, whatever he decides to do, because you're not challenging for a title this year. I, I, hold him up for the world is what I would do. Yeah, and there's there's two things, Chris. But the first thing is before it, it slips out of my head is for some reason I keep on thinking of Nick Fury from the Avengers movie. I think it was the first Avengers when he's just like, until the world stops turning, you know, I'm gonna pretend like that I can't, I'm I'm gonna pretend that you know it's going to until it actually stops. I'm just gonna pretend like it's going on until Brian Reynolds is actually traded. I'm just going to pretend like he's a member of the 2023 Pirates. There's nothing I can do about it at this point in time. But then the other thing that I was thinking of is, is when you said we missed on somebody, I think we missed on Quintana. I think you really think they wanted to bring him back. I th- I think they there he wanted to. There was like saying things where he'd said he'd be open to it. The Pirates said they were open to discussing it with him. I don't know if they were going to go the two years, and I don't know if he would have gone the two years with the Pirates especially, you know, with the other offers that he was getting. Maybe if it was, you know, he got two years and something from maybe, I don't even know, let me throw out another team, like the Nationals, who were terrible. Right. Or if he got, you know, two years and that from the Pirates, that he would choose the Pirates over that. But once it was, you know, I'm going to the team that's throwing, you know, money around like it's nothing. They can buy anything. They can buy anything, that team. And they can buy anything they want to. And is actually, you know, Quintana's like, you know what? I I, I want I wouldn't mind winning a World Series in, in one of these next two years. Right. So once so once the Mets were in on it, it was over. It was over. So but I think the Pirates did have aspirations for Quintana. If it was Quintana and Hill, actually I don't even know if they get Hill because I don't know if they're gonna have two lefties because they just don't Ben Sherrington just doesn't draft lefties, he doesn't pick up lefties, he doesn't. Yeah, but really it's good like to lefties. have a couple of them in your rotation. So you're right. If it was Quintana and Hill, I think I would have really I would have said, okay, I like that because I, but I, again, I wanted something more than, than that, unless they really believe looking at Quintana and having him in the organization, he's got several years in front of him. Well, it's the same thing, Chris, with like, I want more from the catching position. I, I don't know why I do this, but I listen to- You're not getting to, any more from the catching position. I, I, and we're not, I know we're not, but I listen to, um, I had, after New Year's, you were sick last year and I was like, man, I had this show called- New Year's ultimatums. One of my ultimatums was that if you you need to get Brian Reynolds signed by the end of this calendar year, if you don't, you're going to trade him. Well, that's, you know, 
pretty much coming to fruition at this point in time to a degree. The second thing I said was, I know you signed Roberto Perez, but I, I would still like them to bring in another catcher. Man, if Austin Hedges somehow gets injured and we have to sit there and watch Tyler Heineman, Jason DeLay, and and God knows who else again, I know that Andy's coming. Andy's coming. What do you, you know, look, what's the big deal here? You're, you're worried about what could happen at the beginning of a season where he's inevitable. He's like Thanos. He's inevitable. He's coming this year. And then once he get, gets here, none of those other guys matter anymore for the long-term uh, the prospects of the Pirates. It's all about whether or not he does well in his development at the major league level. So no, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. Wait, you know, you got yourself all stressed out about April in in a, in a year where again you're looking to take the next step, but you're not. I mean, I, I, did I miss something? Is the rest of baseball just laying down? Because it seems like the guy in New York is taking a championship, right? And you're dude, still dude, building. Come on, Chris. We got Connor Joe back, man. Connor Joe back from back from you know I, I, like I knew Connor he was Joe. still in Major League Baseball. I but. like Connor Joe. Connor Joe is, but the problem with Connor Joe is that he's only really good when he's in Denver, because I had him on my fantasy team and I would bench him whenever he was playing on the road. <laughs> so because I know right. it's a different player offensively. That okay. So I, it's not the, it's not the same guy when he's not playing in thin air or like a band box of a, of a ballpark. But uh, here, look, before we get out of here, I got a quick question for you. I want to double back to the idea that the Mets may have grabbed Quintana away from the Pirates. Now, that might be frustrating to you, but quick take from you. Steve Cohen, good or bad? Because you know the Pirates will never outspend him. So that's going to put your team in a bad position. But on the other hand, I, I kind of enjoy the fact that he pisses off owners like Bob Nutting by spending money. Because it's got to drive those kind of guys, the cheap owners I mean, of Major League Baseball, absolutely nuts. And and I'm I'm fine with that because I'm tired of owners like that being able to get away with we're doing the best we can and we can't spend anymore when you know they can. Here's a guy who walked in and said, "I have money and I'll run my team at a, as a at a loss because I want to win a championship." And he's a, he's a fan's dream. And 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 it was always told to us that's a pipe dream. No owners like that. Now there's one in Major League Baseball, so I'm hoping he stirs the pot a little bit so in the long term it's good for everybody. But right now it, it could also be frustrating because he can buy a title. Yeah, and, as, and Chris, I think I compared it at some point in time, difference between a business billionaire and a fan billionaire. He's a fan billionaire. Is he good? Is it good? Well, there's already been stuff that's come out, you know, of possible like collusion by the owners that are upset that it's just like, this guy is, he's not coming to the island anymore, Chris, to go back to one of our old things of what we do with Scott Boris. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that episode of the billionaires have an island where they hunt humans. That was a great episode, but <laughs> he's not on the island anymore because he's making them mad. No, he has his but, own island. So this yeah. is, he has his he own doesn't care. He's got he an island care. where he's hunting owners. And that's, that's the island I want to be on. But dude, if he wants to spend his money and he wants to spend whatever he, you know, and puts his thing in, guess what, dude? He can spend whatever he wants. And to me, it's not, I don't think it's good or bad for baseball. I think it's what kind of baseball has become. And the owners, some of them have just done it to themselves. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, 